Welcome to Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking Podcast. On Driver to Driver, we will discuss everything related to trucking and put a Stokes Trucking spin on it. Stokes Trucking, doing the right thing since 1979. Thanks for joining us today on Driver to Driver. I'm your host, Mark Lover. I'm joined today by my part-time co-host and full-time producer. Grace Lover. She also happens to be my daughter, but she has a decent radio voice. But this is a podcast. Does that count as radio? I guess so. Okay. I play it through my radio thing uh, in my car. Your radio? Like your radio? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, tell me, Grace, what do our listeners have to look forward to today on Driver to Driver? Well, coming up, first we have Ty Walker's Safety Minute, and then following that is an interview with a Stokes driver, Scott Olson, and his wife, Kathleen. And then a regular segment of questions from the road, questions from you guys to us guys. (laughs) Yes. So... For all of you listening, I need questions to answer. I love to answer questions, especially when I have a while to think about them, like I do when Grace asks them to me. So please submit your questions from the road to me, Mark, at stokestrucking.com. Send it to my email, and we'll try and get to it just as soon as we put out another podcast. This is the inaugural one. We're pretty excited about it. It's been, it's taken a while. We've learned a, a lot. A month or two. Yeah, we've learned a little bit about audio production and some do's and don'ts, and we're starting to figure it out. I want to apologize in advance for some of the audio quality in the podcast you're about to hear. We have realized that our conference room at the office maybe isn't the best studio, <laughs> as convenient as it is. So, this is coming to you from, what's the name of our? Frankfurter Studios. Yes, Frankfurter Studios Basement Office, also known as my basement office in our house. And his gaming center. Okay, (laughs) go ahead and (laughs) spill all my secrets, Grace. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you all so much for joining us, and let's roll. Welcome to Ty Walker's Safety Minute. How's everybody doing today? Hi, Ty. How are you, Mark? I'm great. So, what are we going to learn about today? Well, today I figured we could talk a little bit about distracted driving. It's probably something that, you know, not only drivers of semis are faced with, right? It's it's something that everybody's faced with, right? Anybody in the motoring public. Yep, exactly. So, I've got a few facts here that I've found. So, I guess, Mark, do you want to take a guess how many people do you think are involved each year in an accident that's involved a driver that's been distracted? Total number of people involved in an accident in the United States? Yep, not just CMVs. All um, together? All together. Oh boy. Um, It's got to be in the tens of thousands. Is it in the hundreds of thousands? 
Uh, millions? Millions, yep. yep. Okay, I'll remind you you're on radio. They can't see your thumb going up. Well, I'm just trying to help you out. Okay, thank you. So this is, okay, this is off Google, right? So if you want to fact check me, you can. But but right here, I've got 2.5 million people each year involved, you know, where I'm sure they've either done an investigation of some sort that's proved that the driver was distracted. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a fact for you. Here's another one. Multitasking is a myth. So if you're going down the road and you're thinking, oh, I can, I can talk on my phone or I can handle a little bit of Facebook or Instagram while I'm driving. I'm going across Wyoming. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> Nevada. Wyoming. Yes, I understand. Exactly. So, so what I found here, it says research show, shows that when you're doing two things at once, your brain is actually just switching between tasks very rapidly. Every additional task you do while driving detracts from your ability to drive well and increases your chance of having a collision. So we think, well, my brain's smart. I can do this. I can multitask, mm -hmm. but our brains really aren't capable of that. One it's, thing it's at one, a time. Yep. One thing or the other. So, so what do you think about that? Do you feel like that's true for, for I, you? I do. I, I struggle with multitasking really bad. When I'm driving in the past, mm -hmm. I haven't thought that I struggled with that. But working in the office, I have a lot of trouble focusing on sending an email and talking on the phone at the same time. I try to do it and I fail miserably most of the time. Usually, whoever's on the phone gets put on the back burner while I finish yeah. whatever email I'm sending. Yeah, that's a, that's a good example, because I've had the same thing. And I think Tyler and I were doing payroll or something, and somebody came in, and or no, somebody called, and I was trying to talk on the phone and keep going with payroll, but I, yeah, I couldn't do it. So, so. it makes some sense to me. <clears throat> we all believe ourselves to be professional drivers that I've probably driven so much, I'm so used to driving, that whenever I'm doing something else, changing the radio, taking a drink, whatever the case is, I'm not really driving anymore. Yeah. It's it's really on autopilot at yep. that point, isn't yep. it? And we've all had that where we're going down the road and I don't know, an hour passes. If you're in a, in a semi, right, mm -hmm. you're driving hours every day mm -hmm. and you think to yourself, how the heck did I get where I'm at right now? Because yeah. you've been, yeah. you don't know where your head's been. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Another fact that I found pretty interesting, it says here, according to the FMCSA, 71% of large truck accidents occurred because the driver was doing something other than driving the truck. So 7 out of 10 large truck accidents are caused by distracted driving, essentially. Yep, exactly. That is an amazing statistic. That, that's, yeah, that's quite a few. I mean, really. That, that's a lot. Yeah. So I, I got thinking about that. I'm not the best at math, but I did a little simple math, and I decided to compare myself to a driver, right? I don't I don't drive near as many miles or hours as, as what our guys do here, mm -hmm. or anybody that's, that's uh, driving truck full-time. Hang on a minute now. I want to back up there a bit, because yeah. you are a, you and I both, have CDLs. We do. And we do. You do drive on occasion for us, right? Yep. Yep. Probably once every two weeks, maybe. So you, I know you don't have a ton of experience, but you've got a few years of driving a commercial truck. What is your title these days with Stokes Trucking? I'm well, you know, I, I think I'm like the safety manager, right? We've got Tyler who, I guess we'd call him the safety coordinator mm -hmm. or director. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just more of the manager, kind of see the day-to-day -day so stuff. So you do the day-to-day -day yeah. auditing can... logs and checking for yep. form and manner on a log. Yep, exactly. Nope. All the, the drug and alcohol, I'm handling that as far as randoms go. Tyler, he calls the big shots, right? So as far as like an accident or dealing with insurance, 
that kind of goes up to him. Okay. So. All right. So, so when, when you talk about driving, you've, you've got actual experience. I do. Yeah. So I've probably had my CDL for, I don't know, just over five years, but I've, I mean, I drove here at Stokes for, mm-hmm. for a few months, but as far as like, I mean, driving just for miles and miles and miles for years, like some of our guys, right. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. And, and I'll admit it. Yeah. <laughs> so. it I, I, it's one of the reasons that we have named our podcast driver to driver is nine times out of 10 when a Stokes trucking driver calls the office, they're actually speaking to a driver. There's only one person that works in our office that doesn't have years of experience driving a truck. Right. So I I wanted to get that out. Ty Walker's experience, and he he mentioned that he did drive a truck. That was last winter or spring, maybe? It was was through the summer that I drove. So I I didn't want to go over Donner's. During the winter, you know. That's not, see, this is, that, I'm just going to have to edit that out of here now. Cause that's, that's probably true. You better just cut that out. I meant to say I wanted to because I get, I would have got paid to do it. <laughs> and why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to chain up and go over Donner? So oh, curious. man. But back to this this uh, little bit of math that I did for us, mm-hmm. I decided to compare myself to basically one of our drivers. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm spending about two to two and a half hours a week driving. Now that's, I live pretty close to the office, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot closer than you. So I gave myself some additional time driving each week, right? I decided to pull an average of what what our guys are doing here at Stokes. And it's, I don't know, it's probably similar for a lot of professional drivers. But they are averaging about 56 and a half hours a week driving, drive time, right? So that's not on-duty time included. That's just driving. So you compare those two numbers. I mean, these guys are spending a lot of time behind the wheel. So you kind of go back to the thinking about distractions, how much more time they have you know, that they can be distracted. Mm -hmm. And along with that, I just looked at the miles, right? So I'm driving anywhere from like 100 to 150 miles every week. These guys are averaging about 3,300 miles a week. So they've got a lot more time that they're sitting behind the wheel that they can become distracted. And if they do, it can be really bad, right? If I become distracted while I'm sitting in the office, it's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. But for these guys, it it could be the end of the world. So what what should we advise one of our drivers to do? He's doing an 11-hour shift. He's halfway through his first part of that. It's been two, two and a half hours. Surely picking up a cup of coffee and taking a drink or a bottle of water that's probably okay, right? Yeah, I, I think you got to be realistic, right? Because, like, I'm looking on FMCSA's website, and they say avoid eating and drinking, which I can see to some extent. I mean, you don't want to be, like, busting out the you spaghetti don't and meatballs. Making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah, driving down yeah. the road. Yeah, but if you're going to be sitting there for six hours mm-hmm. straight, which mm-hmm. a lot of guys will do that, mm-hmm. right, sure. on a daily basis, I mean, you've got to have some snacks there. So I think it comes back to, like, trip planning, I mean, make sure that you're, well, for one, let's talk about food. Make sure you've got stuff that's within arm's reach. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, oh, crap, I left my chips in the sleeper. I'm going <laughs> to, here we go. This is a straightaway. I'm going to reach for it right now. <laughs> so I think just be smart with that. That's simple, but make sure stuff's there that you can get it and it's easily accessible. Okay. 
So that's pretty simple. We, we can do that, right, Mark? You, I can probably handle that, but you can't take away my coffee. Can't take away my coffee or my water. I think you could still have it. You just got to be okay. smart with it. A sip it. now and again. If it gets cold and you're like, oh, I'm going to try and microwave this, yeah. probably Stop. better pull over, right? Stop. Okay. Okay. So, I'm with you. Today we had one of our drivers, one of our veteran drivers in. So I decided to ask him for some tips, you know, what we can do as far as avoiding becoming distracted. Are you interested in hearing some of these ideas? I I would love to hear these ideas. So this is from Larry Van Meer. Larry Van Meer, who's been with us for eight or nine years, I suppose, at this point. Yep. I'm sure he's probably definitely over a million and probably pushing two million miles. Yep. He told me today he's at, let's see, what was he at? 2.5 million is 2. what he, is what he, is what he with, said. With Stokes or? Well, I think he's figuring everybody in every total is driving okay. yeah so larry i just asked him what are your thoughts as far as what we can do to avoid becoming distracted and i asked him what distracts you the most and he said other drivers distract him i, I can see that you go into california or a heavily populated area and and there's a lot of drivers you could become distracted because you got so angry with the guy that just cut you off to where your mind you're not even thinking about what you're doing you're just thinking about oh, what the heck was this guy thinking so i can see why larry he mentioned that, right? Don't let other Don't people yeah. distract you from what you're actually doing. Yeah. His next point, which I, I think is probably my favorite from what he shared, is he said, never leave on time, which sounds kind of funny, right? But, and he's maybe, maybe I think he's I know said, where he's going. Yep, I he's probably he's told it this. to you as well. You know, leave, give yourself an extra hour or hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Leave early sure. because if I leave right on time and I head out and I've, nothing can go wrong along the way, right? Or I'm going to be late for my appointment or this or that. My mind's going to be thinking about that. The whole way down the road through my trip, I'm going to be thinking about that. Like, oh crap, I'm stopped at this stoplight or I'm behind this guy that's going 45 and a 65 and it's going to totally throw off my whole week or this trip. So that's, I like this. Larry's saying, give yourself plenty of time because that's going to help you not be stressed out and your mind's going to be focused on on what you're doing. You're not going to be worried about, oh, I'm going to be late. So I, what do you think about that? Is that? I, I absolutely agree. I'm right there with Larry as far as that mindset goes. When I'm planning a trip, I usually start with what time I have to be there is the beginning. And then I start adding up how many 10-hour breaks I'm going to have to take before I get there and how much drive time it's going to be. And then I tack on about 10% for drive time. And I figure that's what time I need to leave. Just in case I have something come up. You are aware that I have taken a few trips to Texas recently. You this have. Fall. We, we, we ran yep. a lot of Texas. The last two trips I have gone to Texas, I have had to stop either on my way there or on my way home and get a tire replaced on the road. Both times, it ate up about four hours. I wasn't late with either load because I had baked in enough yeah, extra you'd time planned, right? yep. Yep, exactly. to have that type of breakdown and not put myself behind. And I guess the thing is, let's say you don't have any issues and you got to sit there for, you know, an mm -hmm. extra hour or 45 minutes waiting, you're going to be better off than mm -hmm. trying to worry about it the whole way down the road. So I, I really liked these ideas that Larry shared just because I feel like they weren't like the typical answers. Oh, your cell phone. Don't let your cell phone become a distraction. We all know that's mm -hmm. a distraction, mm -hmm. but these were kind of more off the wall ideas that I actually think are really yeah, applicable. That, yeah. so. That's a great idea. He's right about other vehicles on the road. Most of my stress when I'm driving is what is everybody else doing? If the roads are bad, especially if it's inclement weather, I'm much more worried about it. Any, someone else running into me 
than me sliding off and running into someone. I sort of drive like a grandpa when it's like that, though. So do you? I do. I, I'm pretty. I'm a wimp. Oh yeah. man, that's all right, Mark. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not from Utah. I. But I thought Nebraska, you you know, you probably uh, you had plenty of snow. And we. Yeah, I mean, you have inclement weather back there. Honestly, I think maybe the weather here's a little better, but you don't have the mountains you have to cross. Right. 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 You get those grades, and that can that can yeah. change a lot. Get some ice. Got a lot of ice back there. Yeah. I've driven on plenty of ice. I used to, I pulled tank. And oh. It, yeah. Food-grade tank, smooth bore. So any slosh, that stuff would get to moving, kind of shaking the truck. And wake you up. You'd be like, oh, well, whoa, what am I doing here? It, it generally didn't move when you're just sitting there. But, like, you had to be careful coming up to a stoplight. No, I mean, and when you're, like, falling asleep down, you know, going down the road, right? Well, Mark? yeah, it would kind of... It, it did. It did. You were on your toes a little more. Let's yeah. Say. I, yeah. I, I've never napped going down the road. Not while I was behind the wheel, anyway. Good. Good. Because <laughs> I am. I am the safety manager, so I wouldn't want to hear. Well, that you're, you you're doing that type. Of you stuff. were like ten when I was pulling a tank, so well, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. You wouldn't have cared what I was doing. You would have. You were probably a little kid. That's with your arm pumping, yep. trying to get me to honk yep. my horn. That was me, and you were going by. You probably were the guy that didn't honk. <laughs> I, I could have been. I was <laughs> focused on my job. Yep, all right. that's what you got to do. Pulling this tanker, we'd come back empty all the time. And one day, I was on my way back to Council Bluffs. I hit an ice storm just south of Kansas City. Drove in ice until just before I got to Council Bluffs. You always scaled in empty, so they knew how much product they put on you. And I'd loaded there often. I was always in the same truck. It was my own truck. And I usually pulled the same trailer. Like, I was usually within 100 pounds either way. That day, I was 1,800 pounds heavier than normal. I had a little over an inch thick ice coating really? the entire trailer. Yeah, it was crazy. That's a lot of ice. It, it was fun to drive on, too, let me tell you. It I'll was, bet. It, it was in empty. It was a good time. I bet. Yeah. You probably wrote about it in your journal. Uh, right? Journal? Wait. Or your diary, whatever I, I, you want to call I'll it. I'll keep a journal. <laughs> I keep all my journal entries in my head. Oh. They're all in my noggin. Gotcha. Well, we'll, we'll get to hear more of those in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of stories, buddy. Uh, Let me tell you. That's good. So, <laughs> no, these these were good points that Larry shared. The last thing he said, you know, is just boredom. He said he's seen plenty of drivers going down the road that have their phone propped up and they're mm -hmm. watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And it's okay, yeah, we get it. You're sitting there for 11 hours driving every day. Maybe mm -hmm. not every day, but some days you are. But that you can't be doing that, right? I, I mean, so what does Larry acceptable. suggest to break up the monotony? What does he do? Well, I, th I actually, he answered that question, so I'm glad that, glad that you oh. asked that. Larry told me that, I'm trying to remember the year. I won't remember the year, but I remember it was November of 19, let's Bef say 99. Of some okay. time before you were, oh, right before Nin you. No, I, I was born, born in 93, okay. so I'd oh. been around for a few years. Graduated high school in 93. Oh, well, <laughs> that's all right, Mark. That's okay. No, he was saying that... And I can't remember who taught him this, but he said, you should basically pretend like you've got a bird's eye view of your truck. You can see 360 degrees around your truck, what's going on behind it, what's going on in front of it, and each side, right? Mm -hmm. You're not just focused on what's what's in front of you. And he just said, this helps him to stay focused, right? He's not always just going forward and gets tunnel vision. 
he's thinking about, okay, you got some cars back here. What are they doing? They've been, you know, slowing up, speeding down or swerving a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's a good idea. He, he stays focused by just watching his round, his surroundings everywhere around Visual, him. Visualizing what it looks like, like he's driving through a movie scene. Yep. And he's looking down on himself, right? He can just see everything. So that's, that's one thing that he shared. And I think wow. that's, that's probably a good idea. I've never thought about trying to visualize what my truck looks like going down the road. Yeah. Try it next time. I'll have to get a drone or something. I can pop up there and just fly it. Video you know, myself. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you know what? You know what else Larry could do to break the monotony? Sing. Listen to the driver to driver podcast. Oh. You know, singing would be good, but that that's probably a better option. My voice isn't good. I bet it's better than Larry's singing voice. Yeah, maybe well, maybe you could bring him on here and he could he could test it out. I absolutely have plans to have Larry Van Meer on the podcast. He's right towards the top of the list. That'll be good. Yeah. So uh, he's he's a wealth of information. Yeah. So just to recap, you know, not just to Stokes drivers, but all drivers out there becoming distracted that's something that we're all tempted with we've got like the whole world at our fingertips with our smartphone but it's not worth it you know five seconds could seriously ruin your life or somebody else's so that's kind of what we got going today i understand well this has been a wonderful chat about distracted driving i can't wait till i get a talk to you again ty about your next safety topic yeah, we'll, uh, we'll... Are we going to do this every week or once a month? I or? guess we'll see how much like, you, how you can safety, handle me. How many safety right? topics do you have? We could probably dig something up every single week if Every you single week. I'll bet we can. Boy, we don't want to so. put the listeners totally to sleep. I, They're probably driving. That's true. That's true. Maybe we better go once a month. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what kind of response we get from this, and if if I get booed out of the the office here, Wait, then no, nobody's booing you. Listen, oh they, yeah, they love you. We're good. We'll be back next week then. <laughs> All right, Ty. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Scott Olson and Kathleen, thank you very much both for joining me today. You guys aren't aware of this, but we have named the podcast Driver to Driver. Love it. Stokes Trucking Podcast with the thought that almost everybody that works in our office has driven, some of us a lot, at some point in time. So we're really trying to make this something our drivers and other drivers could listen to, learn a little bit about Stokes Trucking, some of our drivers, what we all do. Scott, you've been with us as a professional driver for how long? Just this side of two and a half years. Did you start right before we moved into the new facility over here? Yeah, yeah, just a couple of months. I started in July, and I think you guys moved in here in November. Oh, so it was right before we moved, huh? Yeah. Cool. We're sure glad to have you. You've been a great team member for us since you started. Do a great job. Thank you. Customers love you. Everybody here in the office does. And Dusty that does our maintenance. Everybody's just super happy to have you here. It's good to know. So how long have you been driving? That's It's kind of been off and on. I grew up around trucks. I've been around them my whole life. Mm-hmm. My dad drove. But I think the, the first time I started driving, the first time I drove was my dad's old 69 Kenworth. <clears throat> he had the brownie shifter, the twin sticks. That's a big, long story all in itself. It was right before I, I left for a LDS mission. 
back in 80. And before I left, I went with my dad one time. And I'd been running, I'd run with him. I used to go with him out to California every summer when, when I wasn't in school. And this one, and I used to just ride with him. This one time before I left on my mission, we drove, we went out to California. He used to go out, in fact, he did a lot of the same runs. He was leased to uh, Guild Edge Flower okay. before that all conglomerated back yep. in the 70s. So he used to do a lot of the same runs we do now. Oh. He'd go out to Petaluma, down to San Francisco, deliver the flower, and then he'd call Associated Grocer. And there used to be a couple Japanese guys Blackie and Harold, and he'd call them on the phone and they'd send him down to pick up produce to bring back. And so he'd make this circle and then go down to Bakersfield and then back up. And we're, I rode with him that whole time and hardly said a word. I never, my dad and I never talked much. It was funny, I was a little scared of him. I, a lot of the guys that know my dad, he was a big man and he, was, he had an intimidating presence. But we got just north of Las Vegas and he pulled off the road and he says, I guess it's time I better show you how to drive this thing. So how old were you again? I was nice. 19. 19 years old, just yeah. before you went on your mission. Yeah, I might have been 18. I may not have turned 19 yet, but it was pretty close into that area. Anyway, got me going up, the, and, and this is the shifting. And I, I, I've been driving tractors and pickup trucks and stuff since I was 12 out on the farm, but the, I'd never done anything like this. And the, the shifting in the semi is so much different than just a regular car. And you put down the clutch, and you're still grinding the gears. You mm -hmm. still got to make sure that the engine and the transmission are going All the same speed. All your RPMs speed. match. Yeah. Yeah. But we got her up going and he started telling me stories about how he was training because he was trying to tell me how to drive and he started remembering stuff and he got talking and he started telling me stories I'd never heard in 18 years of living I'd never heard any of these stories he started talking to me and we drove from Las Vegas I can't remember he must have pulled me off in Arizona to go through the port uh -huh. and then put me back on the driver and we drove all the way up to Salt Lake and never shut up the whole trip that's just one of the things I'll, that's one of the fondest memories of my dad I'll have so because I started probably driving technically when I was 18 or 19 when I got my mission he set me up dad tried to teach me business and I just didn't get it mm. he, I'm talking about my dad that's supposed to come up later we'll talk about that a little later <laughs> I want to back up just a hair here 1980 was the interstate finished between Bakersfield and Salt Lake City at that point in time or were they still didn't they used to drive like around St. George almost? You'd, you'd go north. Oh yeah. See, yeah, the they call it Utah Hill. Dad told me a story about that. You go out around what is it? What's the name of that town out? If Jimmy was sitting here, he'd be able to tell us. I'm sure. Yeah. Ivan's, I think is Ivan's. Mm -hmm. You go out through there mm -hmm. and then down. And you don't think, you think you're going out across the flat and you don't realize there's about a one or 2% grade. You don't hardly know it there. Oh, so it's just a so steady, down. slow. And then when you get down to, crap, I can't, where did it come out? Right down to where the gorge comes out, that mm -hmm. little town. I can't remember the name right off the bat. But there was a 90 degree turn. And if you, if you weren't paying attention, you get down to that turn, you'd be going 70, 80 miles an hour down that hill and slamming on the brakes trying to get around. And it probably wasn't very well marked at that, at point, that point in time. They didn't have flashing lights telling you and if prepared. You, if you didn't know, you, drivers didn't think you were going down the hill. But by then, the, the interstate, yeah, the, you, the interstate was up through the gorge. That was one of the first times I remember going down through that and just looking up and thinking, whoa. <laughs> I think that's still one of the most expensive stretches of interstate in the country. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. I, I remember the first time I drove through there in a truck. I was it, it was hard to focus on the task at hand, wanting to look up 
I'm a country kid from the plains, and yeah. driving through that gorge, wanting to look up at all the mountains. It was and amazing. Trying to concentrate on the road. <laughs> yeah. I still, I think I still have a little hard time going down through there. Yeah. Anyway, wow. but like I say, off and on, I've been driving since I was 18 or 19. So you went on your mission. You come home from your mission, and you roll right into driving a truck. Yeah, and it was, Dad set me up. It was this little Ford two-ton gas motor, and I had a little pup trailer that we bought from Tri Millers at uh-huh. the time, and I hauled ice cream for my brother-in-law. My, my brother-in-law, Ron Salveson, was, he's Salveson's from the Blacksmith Fort Canyon. They had a little dairy, and he and his brother Doug used to make ice cream and sell it. And so I would haul down to Salt Lake and then Provo and then back up, and I did that. I don't know, we did that for about a year, something like that. And then I hired on, I think I hired on a thought call and I started working factory jobs and that kind of put that on the back burner for a long time. But I'd run with my dad once in a while. So how long did you work various factory jobs? I worked at Thaikal for nine years and they laid me off. Then I worked at, I went from Thaikal Lazy Boy for about a year and then got hired on at what was Morton at the time. It's auto leave now and I worked for them for 14 years. And it just, things weren't gelling. I just didn't belong in those factory jobs. I didn't, I can look back on this stuff and I, I realized in those factories I didn't belong in that stuff. So was but, it uh, freedom of the road? It must be something. Because when I'm out driving, we, let's go back. It's a good thing you're editing this stuff. You're in those factory jobs and basically watching a machine do all the work. And I don't know, you try, you're trying to pay attention. You got, there's things that can go wrong, you got to watch. I guess it's, driving is the same thing, but it just didn't gel for me. So when I'm out on the road, I feel like I'm actually doing something. I feel like I'm contributing. Maybe it's more. It's a more basic level, so I can understand it better. But if I'm taking cheese to California, I feel like I'm actually doing something, and it, it's more satisfying. For me, it's always been, at the end of the day, I can look at where I started and where I got to and look at like the big United States map and see it might only be an inch and a half I covered, but understanding how geography is, that how far, it's like immediate accomplishment for me. Exactly. I think that's exactly right, yeah. yeah. Which probably is the reason why I like a cell phone so well, because it's like immediate gratification. I <laughs> can look up whatever I want to look up right now and have an answer to it. I was working at AutoLeave, and I started out in Promontory, and most of the stuff, I'm working with explosives. That's the other thing. I've been, I'm working around explosives mm-hmm. in both jobs. But my kids had grown up at the time. Kids were pretty much, I know, Trenton, I don't know, he might have been 12 or 15, our youngest. And I, so I, I just decided it's time. I, I went and got hooked up with Roadmaster. This was 2007, and I just made the decision, I'm going to do this. So Roadmaster Driving School. Yeah, you went to a- I went to driving school. They were doing a reduction in force. That I was working over here at the Tremont plant, the Autoleaf Tremont plant, and I just volunteered for the RIF, and I went and took the truck in school. And I was going to hire on with Werner's at the time. I went out and did their whole week-long orientation and everything, mm-hmm. got down to the very last day, and an issue come up with the sleep apnea. They wouldn't let me have an inverter on the truck, and at the time, I had to have it. I ended up not hiring a Werner. This is the day before Thanksgiving, and I've got to find a way home from Denver now. 
They said they'd buy me a bus ticket back, but I wasn't going anywhere near that bus station the day before Thanksgiving. I took a shuttle out to the airport, and that didn't work out. I was going to try and rent a car to drive home, and they wouldn't rent me a car. I didn't have a credit card. I had a debit card, but they wouldn't take it. So here I am out in the middle of nowhere at the Denver airport. So I got a taxi back into Denver, and I heard this story. 2001, 9-11, 2001, a couple of friends of ours, and they were only 20 years old, had just gotten married, and they did their honeymoon out in Lake Tahoe. And while they're on their honeymoon, 20, uh, 9-11 happens, and they shut down the airports. Mm-hmm. They shut down everything. They didn't have a way to get back. They weren't underage, so they couldn't rent a car. Josh, he got this wild hair idea, and they ran over to a U-Haul dealer, and they bought a U-Haul truck no and drove it home. So that's what I did. <laughs> no. So you'd gone to Denver to do orientation with Warner. With Warner. They decided an inverter was a no-no, and you wanted it for your CPAP machine. Yeah, and this wasn't going to work out. I actually, here's a story for you. I'll probably edit this out, but at one point in time, I was doing orientation with Warner, too, right after I'd started driving. And See, they're right there in Nebraska. Yeah, so. yeah, I was at the office, and I grew up about 40 miles from their office. I actually knew somebody, one of the Warner brothers. Anyway, I had got, I got fired from my first truck driving job. It's quite a story. I was young and dumb, is what it was. And I should have been fired. And now I can say <laughs> Now you can say, say that. Yeah, they were right. They did what they should have done. But I was going to go to work for Warner, driving for a contractor. And, of course, the contractor said, well, don't tell them why you got fired from your first trucking job here. I'm skirting you in so you don't have to go with the trainer or anything. And pretty soon they figured out what had happened. And I get brought in the office and told there's the door. Yeah, they didn't want to put me with the trainer or nothing. Just, you lied, get out. That's what it amounted to. So we have that in common, Scott. (laughs) Warner told both of us to get lost. Oh, (laughs) they're lost. They're lost now. I get. So I get back Thanksgiving Day. I drove all the way across Wyoming all night long. And I get back and my family's having Thanksgiving dinner at my brother's house. And my sister says, go talk to Dave Ladford over at, over at Miller's. And Fort Otten, within the week, I was driving for Miller's. So. No kidding. If you would have walked in here, Jimmy would have given you a job yeah. because he knew your Oh, because he knew my dad. So you go to work for Miller, Miller Brothers? Miller Brothers. Okay. Same. My dad worked for him years before that. Now, I want to pause for just a minute here and bring Kathleen in on this. What were your thoughts when he said, I can't stand doing the factory stuff. I want to go drive a truck. <laughs> oh, we fought pretty good. <laughs> did you? Did you, did, did. <laughs> did you know that at some point this may happen with him just because of his father? And Be honest. Act Pro- like he's not sitting there. <laughs> I probably did, but I just didn't want it. I just didn't want to be a wife home raising kids on their own be Mm. home alone you know like this company around yeah i tell my wife all the time she did a really good job raising our children (laughs) because when they were really in their real formative years i was home i've never worked for a company that kept me out more than five or six days at a time but she really she she raised them for all intents and purposes i i wasn't there i missed a lot of football games and dance recitals and parent teacher conferences and things like that i just wasn't around for those things be around on the weekend to take them out to sonic or (laughs) something like that right it's uh it's hard to be a driver i think it's harder to be a driver's wife Mm. personal opinion actually and i i think kathleen's one of the rare my mom is one of the rare ones a lot of the marriages don't last 
Yeah. I think we're probably the exception, not the rule. Yeah. My wife still to this day, every once in a while, she'll say, don't you? Don't you have somewhere you can go? <laughs> She's not talking about to the basement or outside. She's talking about go get in the truck and leave me alone leave me for alone. a while. Yeah. Uh, I like his company. I do. Uh, Although, maybe the shows at night, the TVs, I can't always watch what I want. <laughs> oh, when I'm home. I'm always, yeah. That's just little to anything <laughs> She does else. have her TV shows, and then I, I come home, and I start flipping through YouTube and stuff no but i do i miss him yeah. i miss him a lot the, my wife says the same thing like we don't watch the same thing but <laughs> yeah, that brings up an interesting thought is see i grew up my dad was gone not like your kids like you were gone mm-hmm. and i decided early on that once we got married i wanted to be home for the kids every night and so that's why i made a conscious decision to go take the factory jobs and i i powered through that for 20 years and i waited until the kids were grown up and then i thought i'm going we're gonna do this problem with me is that i won't go into a lot of detail but i was still kind of young and stupid when i hired on at miller's and kath and i were going through a rough patch and there was one night that i think i'd taken a load down to uh, el centro and then gone back up in above Bakersfield somewhere to pick up oranges. And then I came back down through Tehachapi in the bar store. And I was talking with Kath on the phone and we were fighting and I was crazy. I stopped at that pilot in Barstow. It was the 4th of May. I pulled off into the Barstow and we're taking produce back to Associated Grocers. So as soon as I leave the shipper, I'll call Associated. And generally, we would give them an appointment time of 24 hours out so we can stop for 10 hours and then drive. And I pulled off, and I couldn't go to sleep. And the doctor prescribed. I All my whole life, I've fought depression and anxiety and stuff. So I was being treated for that stuff at the time. And I, I haven't taken one of these in 12 years, but they, I had a prescription for the Xanax. And I couldn't sleep, so I took one. I couldn't sleep, took another one. And then it was also May, and I had hay fever, and I wasn't thinking, so I grabbed a couple Benadryl, too. Oh, no. I slept for 24 hours. Oh, I didn't wake no. up for 24 hours. I opened my eyes. It was dark out. I was a little groggy. I looked at, I can't remember. I looked at my phone or my watch, and it started to occur to me that it was 10 o'clock Sunday night, and I was supposed to have been four o'clock Sunday afternoon and I'm still sitting in Barstow. I ran into the pilot and splash off my face, run back out, hop in the truck, fired up the road. I go, and I'm still loopy as heck. <laughs> the thing was, is I don't remember. I Going up that way now, I can see how it happened, but I ended up on the 40, not the 15. And about 20 miles out on the 40, they pulled me over and uh, they got out of the truck, took me around the back, did the did something with his flashlight, put the handcuffs on me, hauled me off. It must have been the police there in Barstow. I don't remember where it was. It was st- It's still a little fuzzy. And I don't know. I heard from another driver that it cost Miller's 8000 bucks to get that truck out of impound. It was bad. And I, they ended up sending me down to the Arrowhead Hospital. And that's why I spent three days there. And then my two brothers drove down, got me, brought me back. That was the end of my trucking career in 2000. And I struggled till 2015 to get that license back. And I couldn't find a decent job after that. 2008, we were in a recession. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was pretty tough. I had a couple of buddies that just put me to work. I have a friend that owns a cabinet shop here, and he put me to work sanding doors and stuff. But he could only pay me about 8 bucks an hour. And he was real good to me. I had another friend that had bought a truck to clean carpets. 
carpets, and so I ran with him for a while, cleaning carpets. I did that a couple years. I was in and out. I tried to go back to auto leave. I went over here. I call it West Slavery. You know, I did that for about six months, and I'd had it. I couldn't act that. So I just started fighting to get my license back. I should have started right off the bat because telling this story. This I tell people, I think you've heard me say this before. I've said it to Val. I say it to anybody that asks me about Stokes Trucking. I graduated up in Smithfield, Skyview High School in 1979. I pretty much went right to work. And I include my mission as part of that. I went right to work working construction jobs and stuff and I've worked for a bunch of people doing a bunch of different things and in all of that time including some of these guys have been pretty good to me nobody has really been ever as good to me as Val Stokes has been and I have 40 some odd years of working for a living nobody's treated me as good as Val Stokes yeah it's so refreshing Val has this talent he has this rare talent to recruit all of the best guys obviously I'm sitting across the table from one of them I was really amazed when he got Dusty. I didn't know the whole story because I dealt with Dusty before I hired on here, working with some of the other companies. And he was the go-to guy. So I was so amazed. But he seems happy. He doesn't have to worry about the business. He just has to do his work. Yeah, I can't speak for him, but I agree. Conversations I've had with him, he seems really happy. And we're tickled as can be to have him. I have him. But the, the point being is that I can get in that truck. I can walk around, do all of the pre-trip and stuff, and I can feel comfortable comfortable I can take that truck about anywhere you want to send me and it's very unlikely we're going to run it obviously there are glitches things happen you blow a tire something goes but it's very unlikely I can feel really confident hopping in one of these trucks and being gone because I know they're really well maintained I'm with you Val does have some magical way of getting the right people (laughs) it just seems to to come to work for him people just love to work for Val Stokes. It's a gift. And yeah, I've just haven't worked with, I haven't met all of the drivers and we're all in different places at different times, but just some amazing, the drivers, amazing guys, the ones I've met and I've worked with and run with just, oh. they're all just amazing guys. Best place. You said it. It's the best place I've ever worked too. He's wonderful. I'm in, I'm working my dream job right now. That's cool. You know? Yeah. I appreciate you've been a great guy to work with too. Mm-hmm. You've been a mentor. You're my go-to guy. <laughs> Be careful. Be careful who you follow. <laughs> Welcome to Questions from the Road. Each episode, we're going to answer a different question from the road that's been submitted. Please submit your questions to me, Mark, at stokestrucking.com. What question do we have today, Grace? This question comes from Preston Maloney in truck 687. Preston's been working for us for about a year and a half, so what's what's his question? His question is, I noticed that the price of fuel at one location within the same state is listed as cheaper. Should I go off that or should I stick to your list? I know that prices can change, but I'm not sure if there are other factors that come into play with what you guys get charged through your agreement with Pilot. The question is about the fuel list we send out each week. Each week we send out a fuel list that's based on the various routes we run. I believe when he submitted this question, he was in Texas. We send out a list each week for Utah to Texas and the best fuel prices along the way. And we actually take into account the fuel tax in each state because each state has a different fuel tax. We have to take that fuel tax off to find the real cost of fuel for us. We're going to pay the fuel tax no matter what based on how many miles we run in each state. 
his question is specific that a f- one fuel stop had a lower pump price or retail price than the fuel stop we had listed on the list we sent out. I believe he was referencing Stratford, Texas. So Stratford is about 50 miles straight north of Amarillo. What we pay for fuel is based off of what our cost is at the rack, quote unquote. And what the rack is, is where the fueling location is getting their fuel from. So for instance, Amarillo has a rack. There's actually a depot where truck stops can get their fuel to sell. Stratford also uses the Amarillo rack. So the difference between Stratford and Amarillo is there's more transportation costs to get fuel from Amarillo to Stratford. Stratford had a lower pump price than Amarillo did. I don't know how the truck stops come up with their pump price. It's usually based on local competition. But since we're paying cost plus, what we care about is what the rack price is. doesn't matter what the local competition is doing. So whenever we have two truck stops that are using the same rack, whichever one is closest to the rack is going to be the cheaper of the two. Therefore, the Amarillo fuel price is lower than Stratford. The week he was referencing, the pump price in Stratford was $2.48 a gallon. The pump price at Amarillo was $2.53 a gallon. But when I looked up our fuel cost at each location, Amarillo was actually $0.04 lower for us than it was in Stratford, even though the pump prices were the opposite. Our price, the rack price, is really based off the price of oil on any given day. Does that make sense? Yeah. Would it make more sense if you drove a truck for a living? Yeah. Okay. So, go with what you guys say when I'm driving a semi-truck, but when I'm driving my own car, go with the the lowest price if if that's what you're concerned about. Absolutely. We don't dictate to our drivers how much fuel they have to buy or where. We just send out a list for each route that we run and leave it up to our truck drivers to do the math and know when they need to buy fuel so they don't run out and also try to buy the lowest cost fuel they can for Stokes. We don't try and be too much of a dictatorship when it comes to that. We really want our drivers to fuel where it's best for them and where it's easiest for them to buy fuel at. And hopefully they take into account the fuel price and try and save the company a little bit of money in the process. Thank you for listening to Driver to Driver, a Stokes Trucking podcast. For more information on Stokes Trucking, please visit our website, www.stokestrucking.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Stokes Trucking. Driver to Driver is a Frankfurter Studios production.